And Mahomes steps up, throws to the back, touchdown! Marquez Valdez, Scantling! But one more time, it's Kansas City playing for the AFC Championship. When you're playing a team that's as talented as Philly, and you're still kind of trying to turn that corner, you've got to take advantage of every opportunity that it presents itself during the game. Look out, came from what? The backside there with Josh Sweat knocking it out. Philadelphia is going to head to the NFC Championship game for the first time since their Super Bowl winning season. They sweep the Giants in three games this year. Allen still looking for answers. Now throws toward the end zone, and it's incomplete. We saw Allen go over to Wilson, his old comrade from Wyoming. Final play, looks like barring a penalty. Prescott over the middle of the turban, gets smoked right away, and that'll do it. The 49ers back to the championship game. It is championship Sunday. I'm Jeff Meller, along with Barstool Chief Ryan Brandel here on ESPN 1000. I have to tell you, Ryan, this is, for me, the best Sunday of the year. I, I get pumped, man. It, it is a great Sunday. It's like my dad's like has it circled on the calendar and has like his entire life. I think everybody's in that boat. So I love it. We'll be here from 9 to 11 and then right to the couch and, and just be ready for great football. Hopefully great football. Last weekend wasn't so yeah. great. No, nevertheless, though, and uh, you know what I should mention, highlights there courtesy of NBC, Fox, CBS, and Fox again with your calls there, the final calls. And we should mention before we move on, one last time, that Dallas Cowboys final play, listening to Ezekiel Elliott get smoked and whatever they were trying to accomplish on that one, that was hilarious. So just, just hearing one last time always brings a little bit of a, a smile joy to, to my you. face. Yeah. Absolutely. Ridiculous there. Nevertheless, all right, so we're, uh, we're checking in on the championship Sunday here. San Francisco at Philly gets things kicked off, and then we've got Cincinnati at Kansas City. I love the fact, and this is the NFL has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's just a rotation, but I love the order in which the games will be played. Mm-hmm. We've got ourselves the main event occurring at night because it's undeniable. You've got Mahomes, you've got Burrow, you've got what looks to be, at least in my opinion, we can have this discussion. And of course, you can always feel free to join us 312 332 3776. But we've got Joe Burrow. 3-0 and against Mahomes, and Mahomes undeniably the best quarterback in the league. I think what happens today will set the narrative for whether or not or who we're going to consider the best quarterback, at least the, the championship belt holder, mm-hmm. based on what happens today. Yeah, it, it's like, as a Bears town, Bears fans, thank God the Bears are in the NFC. Because every single round, it feels like Justin Herbert... Trevor Lawrence, Jake Allen, now this game with Burrow and, and Mahomes, it's like you have a final boss, no matter who you're playing in the playoffs. Like there's so many great quarterbacks over there. I'm not so sure that Mahomes is now like the unquestioned guy. I think he's the only one with a ring of those guys, mm-hmm. so I guess maybe by default. But man, that Joe Burrow is special. And he's like the coolest guy. He's he's like our the, the new generation's Brady. Yeah, and it'll certainly the whole the analyzing and talking about Burrow and making that comp will only be heightened yep. if they're able to go ahead and pull off another win, move to 4-0 and against KC. On the other hand, too, the great thing about this one, I, I say great, but the it adds to the drama. The you know Mahomes entering with, now he was removed from the injury report, but of course we all saw him deal with the ankle injury. Yeah. And I was personally a little disappointed. I don't really have, you know... Uh, anything in the race here for who I'm rooting for. But it was a little disappointed when he did leave that game initially injured because 
honestly, I thought it changed the whole complexion of the playoffs. Now, the Chiefs were able to beat the Jaguars in that game. However, I think it's impossible to ignore that the Chiefs weren't nearly the same. They came out that first drive, and they blew the doors off yep. the Jags. It was like, okay, you're not stopping them today. And the only thing that was able to, I think, keep it close was Mahomes leaving because of an injury. Yeah, totally. And, and shout out Chad Henney. He came in and did a serviceable job. But Mahomes, he is a guy who runs, extends plays, scrambles, and does so more in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. So when you yeah. take that element out, that's a big problem for them because now it's like, well, it's third and four. We can get it five different ways. All of a sudden, like your your options for picking up that first down are severely limited. So, not having him at full health, removed from the injury report, okay, sure, sure thing. I don't know what I don't think if shooting somebody up with something qualifies as taking him off the injury report because that looked bad. Um, but hopefully, he's able to have it taped up and shot up and and look like himself. So we get some primetime, big-time football. Now, I've been advocating this, too, all week. If you're somebody who wants to bet this game, I would highly encourage people. (laughs) But I highly encourage people to... I think the smart play here is to wait it out and let the game begin. This is where live betting you know, plays in your favor. I, I really think that you're you're throwing a dart you know, and you may end up being right. You know, you if you want to, you know, take the uh, Chiefs side or the Bengals side based on how you think Mahomes will play. But I think I personally want to see him just move around for you know even just a, a couple series. of plays. Yeah. A series would be ideal, but you know, maybe just seeing him that first play. Let's see, let's see what happens. Let's see if he can break the pocket and move if he needs to. And if he looks good, then I think it's a completely you know. Then of course, you know, the Chiefs set is it still one and a half? Um, you know, the Chiefs. In my opinion, if Mahomes is moving around anything what we're used to, all of a sudden you can get some huge value. It's, it's actually at a one right now. So I'm I know showing it's been it at, my, at, at a two. Okay, so, so Chief, Chiefs minus two. So here's here you go. Yeah. So you can see, obviously, depending on where you want to go shop around, there's plenty of options. It looks like it's going to be hovering between a point and two. I, I can't imagine it gets to three today. That that's a pretty yeah. significant move. But at, you know, I think his injury status definitely puts some things into question here. So I think the play is wait to live bet it because then if you can see Mahomes, then you can make a, a more accurate you know decision on what you want to do. I think regardless, mm-hmm. I like the over. I think there's points in that. game. Game. It's 47 and a half now. I, I feel like that could, both teams might be in the 30s for that one. So I like the over. I like points. And I think it's going to be, I think, if even if Mahomes is hobbled, I think they're still going to score. And I, I think, I, I can't wait for that game. That game is, that I feel like we've been building to this all year. The showdown of Mahomes and Burrow, and I, I don't think it's going to disappoint. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And of course, uh, there's been lots of uh, bulletin poured material. The Cincinnati Bengals have referred to it as Burrowhead as they were heading off the field. And then, of course, uh, that trickled over to the Chiefs locker room. And Chris Jones, their Pro Bowl defensive tackle, one of the best pass rushers from the inside, wrapped up his press conference the other day with this. What do you do now? I mean, you've got all the practice in. you got almost two days to wait for this. What's tomorrow look like for you? Rest, uh, watch a little more film. Uh See what else I can pick up and uh, eliminate all distractions. Take care. See y'all at Burrow Hair City. Yeah, in case you missed it. Take care. See y'all at Burrow Hair City. That is the Kansas City Chiefs' best defensive player mm-hmm. acknowledging that they're aware of what the Bengals have done. And I love it, too, because, listen, this is a rematch from last year's yeah. AFC title game. Like, the rivalry between these two teams right now is definitely heightened. It, it, it's popping. It, it's, it's a real—you it, could feel it. Like, there is— 
And Mahomes made a reference to it when he, he was doing an interview maybe a couple weeks ago. And he's just like, yeah, I haven't beaten that guy. And, like, so it's something that Mahomes is also hyper aware of. He's like, I know we don't play against each other, like, head-to-head. I go against his defense. But, like, he's outplayed me. And so I think it matters to Mahomes. And I think he wants to retain that that championship belt of being the guy in the league. And you can't get that if you're 0-4 against your, your main rival. So no, no, absolutely not. And it really will. I do. If, if the Bengals can pull off this one here, it really will. And we're already trending in that direction. But this will just cement the conversation around Burrow being, you yeah. know, obviously Joe Burrow, Joe Cool, all the nicknames that he has earned at this point. It will just cement the status. And then the I mean, only he's thing- a sex symbol. Oh. Like if, you're, if anybody's on TikTok... Mm-hmm. TikTok is nothing but girls talking about how much they love Joe Burrow. <laughs> Which, you know what? Kudos to him because he's a honestly, handsome man. Is he? Oh, is he a handsome think man? So? I don't oh, know. Joe, Jeff, Joe Burrow is super hot. I, he is like the hottest dude of all time. I think he's got swag and I think it drips off of Those, him. And He's got dreamy eyeballs too. And, and that's the sex appeal. But for, yeah. you know, I have to admit. He's not somebody who I would just pin as your your traditional handsome man. So, uh, and maybe, it, maybe he's just the, not my type. So yeah. I'll have to de- defer to those who are you know into uh, him. But but the reality is, I think that's that's quite the accomplishment is pulling off yeah. um, being a sex symbol status, uh, looking you know not as necessarily dreamy as your typical Tom Brady before he's man, gone into he alien is. world. If I can add to the girls on TikTok, they know his QBR. There's yeah, girls like, yeah. on TikTok <laughs> that say his QBR and tell how good looking he is. That's it's, what it's makes unreal. him sexy, though. Yeah. I think it's the QBR. That's what makes Joe Burrow I don't sexy. Think, I, it's, it's like a cherry on top for the girls, I think. I think I can't believe that you don't think he's handsome. I don't know. I, I just, you know, again, maybe, uh, listen, maybe people can disagree with me. 312-332-3776. Yeah. You're like tall, dark, and handsome. Am I that's way not off? Joe, that's not Joe Cool. I don't know. I, again, I, I don't think he's... Obviously, he's not ugly, but right. I just he never stood out to me as somebody who was like, "Wow, this guy." You know, Jimmy Garoppolo. There's that's undeniable. You're a tall, dark, and handsome guy. I, I guess. Yeah, I get. Which is weird because I'm blonde. So, yeah. it, like, you wouldn't think I would. Do you hate yourself? I maybe. Yeah. It's, I'm a self hater. I yeah. don't know. This is a revelation today here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller along with Barstool Chief again, Ryan Brandell. We're here till 11 o'clock today. If you'd like to talk about Championship Sunday, it is my favorite Sunday because listen. We're the, the pomp and circumstance surrounding the Super Bowl, the hype that's going to go into it. It's going to be great. But the Super Bowl for me, you know, as the football fan, the sports nerd in me just loves, you know, have, first of all, having two games mm-hmm. here for us. So it's, you know, six, seven ish hours of football watching for us. Uh, you know, so that is great. And then the the way the Super Bowl always unfolds, everything surrounding it makes it not your normal football game, right? Right. Like, and so even though for me, the ex- spectacle, yeah. yeah. And the, it, so, and I love the spectacle. I'm not saying I, I don't like the Super Bowl, but for me, this Sunday, you know, the build, and then there is something too for either both teams that actually advanced to play in the Super Bowl. That's a huge accomplishment, right? Um, I remember being at Soldier Field when the Bears beat the Saints in 2005, or the 2005 season to advance to the Super Bowl. And even though they didn't go on to win it, that was my most memorable experience at Soldier Field. The yeah. crowd was insane. It was crazy. Just another reason why the discussion and talk of moving conference, conference championships to a neutral site kind of drives me crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the motivation is. Is there more money in it if it's a neutral I, site? Or? I think the NFL believes there probably would be. But I, I wonder, first of all, fan bases... You know, sure, they're going to. It's the NFL. Mm. They're and it's 
it would it's a huge game obviously so they're probably i mean i don't think they're going to hurt, be hurting to sell the game out but at the same time you do have to wonder how i could see a situation where if they did move to neutral sites every year year after year i could see teams being like yeah I would love to go support my team, but I also want to go see them and play in the Super, Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Like, so most people who are dedicated enough to take that Super Bowl trip to see their team, you're asking quite a bit mm-hmm. of them totally. to say, hey. Do it twice. Yeah, yeah. do it twice in, in a three-week period. I yeah. mean, that's that's a bit much. I don't know if that's something that they've in thought this economy, through. Right? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, and, and it is something about, like, Think of all like the big, like the the Lambo feel, like the John Facenda's voice, where mm-hmm. it's like you're going into this cold tundra. Like that's part of like playing football outside. Like that's what it makes it great. Like the elements, the whole thing. I don't even like when it's in a dome. Like and it's someone has home field advantage. So sure. I love like that element of it, where it's going to be cold. Pads are going to be popping. You have the breath coming off the fans in the stands. Like I love all of that. I would I would not want to. I would be angry if if the NFL made that move. Yeah, you, we kind of again. To your point about the Super Bowl being a spectacle, we've kind of accepted the fact that that's okay. Yeah. That's what the Super Bowl is. But there's something about having your conference championship, at least the possibility of having a cold-weather football game, determine who goes to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and this is one of those things where I feel like the Europeans have more power as fans than we do. Remember when they were going to have that Super League? And sure. it was all the money. Chase Manhattan was behind it. All the big clubs were behind it. They announced it. And it was just they had a revolution. And they like protest in the streets that we are not going to this all over Europe. Yep. No, the you're NFL, right. The college football, they change. Like, I hate the way college football is aligned now. <laughs> There's no regionality, the Super Leagues, all that. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I feel like people should have just been protesting the way that they did in Europe to keep USC and UCLA out west. <laughs> like, keep them in the Pac-12 and and leave the Big Ten as, like, the Rust Belt Great Lakes Conference. That, just, was, that was one of the new Bears team president's great achievements. I, well, it's, it's like, it's, I, I know. I wrapping think, his arms around USC I think he UCLA. played the cards that were on the table, and that was the move. So credit to him for, for doing his job well, I guess, and keeping the Big Ten as one of the uh, premier leagues. But if it were me, I want to put it the, back the way it was in 1996. Like, that's what I want. That. That's the voice of Ryan Brendel, Barstool Chief. I'm Jeff Meller. We're here with you till 11 o'clock today. That was a lot of Chiefs and Bengals talk, of course. That is the main event tonight. But, of course, we've got another game going on in the NFC. San Francisco 49ers headed to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Will Mr. Irrelevant be able to keep the fairy tale going? We'll talk about that next here on ESPN 1000. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. One of the best Sundays of the year, Championship Sunday here, right here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller along with Ryan Brendel, Barstool Chief. We're hanging out with you until 11 o'clock today. We just did a lot of Bengals and Chiefs discussion there. To kick things off, of course, we've got another game as well that we're going to discuss. I should mention, if you're out and about driving around or if you're looking for some ancillary commentary to your championship Sunday, check out Black and Abdallah. They've got a special wannabet, Black and Abdallah, today coming up at 1.30. They're going to be on from 1.30 until 5.30, so they're going to be on during the entire NFC Championship game where they will be breaking down all the action as it happens, discussing discussing some of the live bets that they're 
intrigued by, and then they're going to uh, stick around up until 5.30 and get you set with some pregame coverage of the Chiefs and Bengals today. So make sure you keep it locked to ESPN 1000 all day. All right, to Philadelphia, Rye. We've got the San Francisco 49ers against the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, what are some of your initial thoughts about this one? I mean, I keep going back and forth. I I think San Francisco... I love that team. I mean that they got they have everything. They got a great they got a great defense. They're physical. They get after the quarterback. They have every weapon you could ever want. It's you know they McCaffrey. They got you know the Mitchell. They got Kittle. They have Debo. Sure. And then they have Brandon. No one even talks about Ayuk. You're right. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is unbelievable. He had 77 catches, like 1,100 yards. Like he is a threat on every single play, and nobody talks about him because he's like their fifth best guy. And uh, I'll just add real quick, one of the best athletes too at his position. He's got you know you go back to the draft combine. He's you talk about spark scores where they they're able to uh, measure basically all of your physical traits, and he's one of the one of the best actually ever from uh, the NFL Draft Combine. So you're right. Like, everybody does get lost in, you know, McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo. And meanwhile, Brandon Ayuk himself is also a physically gifted player. He's a problem. Like, yeah. He's a problem. And it's like, he, it's like, how do you even game plan for that guy when he's, he's so good, but you have to worry about everybody else first. So it's like he's, it's, it's a problem. It's going to be a problem for the Eagles, I think. We briefly identified the handsomeness of Jimmy Garoppolo mm-hmm. last segment. Now, he will not be available. He's already been ruled out for today's game. Now, that really shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. There was just some murmurs and rumors about the possibility of him being back as a backup for the 49ers today because he was never going to become the starter because Brock Purdy has cemented his uh, status right now as the starting quarterback, at least for the rest of the season for the 49ers. And the interesting thing to me is he's getting a lot of love. We've, you know, we fall in love with the quarterbacks. They're the easy, the face of the team. They're, it's easy to discuss quarterbacks and how important they are because generally the way the NFL has constructed their league where they're willing to protect the quarterback at all costs and, and try and keep them healthy it makes sense to build your team around a franchise quarterback if you're fortunate enough to get one, something we've obviously been longing for here in Chicago forever. But Brock Purdy, I don't think he is necessarily commensurate with what his record is. There's, you know, because of what you just laid out. All these players, Kyle Shanahan, undeniably, I, I think, I don't think you could call him, I don't think you can call anybody in football, a better play caller. You might be able to find somebody who you like as much. You might say Andy Reid is great. You know, you might say Sean McVay is is on par. But I don't think anybody's better than what Kyle Shanahan's capable of doing. And so he's put Brock Purdy in position here where, you know, you just execute the offense. And all those guys, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Ayuk, those guys are the most difficult, some of the most difficult players at their position to tackle. Yep. It's just, just get them the ball in open space, which Kyle Shanahan designs it up and gets them in open space quite frequently. And Brock, just get them the ball, don't F it up, and yeah. let those guys break the tackles. And that's what he's done so well all season long. Well, and Brock Purdy does put it on him. And, and the big part of Kyle Shanahan's thing is like it's a kind of a traditional West Coast offense mm-hmm. where it's, it's yards after reception really matter. They lead the league in that. I think that I saw their average on a graphic somewhere today that it was like 6.9 yards after catch. Nice. Uh, so, nice, there you go. And so, very, you know, like, they, he, and per, you have to be accurate to be able to, to accomplish that. Purdy's that. But to your point about Kyle Shanahan, mm-hmm. if they win today, this will be his third trip to a Super Bowl as a play caller with three different quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, that is really, so it was Matt Ryan, Atlanta, and then Garoppolo, and then now Brock Purdy. That is 
I can't think of anyone else that has done that. Maybe Joe Gibbs back in like the eight with the with Washington yes. for all those teams. So yeah, he he, but, yeah, he did yeah yeah that's yeah Rippin, yeah. Rippin Williams and I'm and trying to remember somebody else. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, Theismann maybe Theismann, yep, yeah yep, yep. so but it, it's it's very uncommon to be able to have that type. It's like it almost doesn't matter who the quarterback is. So and they went out and drafted Trey Lance and that hasn't really worked for variety of reasons injuries among them but it's they he just is just like well give me that kid from iowa state and we'll make it work and he has so it i i think that there's something to what you said about shanahan just being the absolute best play caller yeah and it it'll be interesting too because you we'll see what happens with purdy today mm-hmm. i think there's been i think this has been talked about quite a bit like he's thrown some balls that other teams have failed to you know yeah capitalize on yeah. right and skin th- of his teeth type of situation for Purdy sometimes. And for the most part they've been able to avoid you know issue with him because the 49ers have been so good all season long mm-hmm. and what they bring to the table not just offensively but defensively too. Yeah. They are the best defense in football. Like you know now I'm, and I'm not going to look at every metric the Eagles can lay claim to some of that too but the reality is I think when you look at their roster top to bottom you know you you've got it starts with Nick Bosa who you know is a finalist for defensive yep. player of the year. He's got a, probably the inside track on winning it. You've got Fred Warner the, you know, nasty yeah, linebacker, the, the, yep. the best off-ball linebacker in the league. Dre Greenlaw, who some people aren't as familiar with, but I would say, you know, for the most part, every time I see him, he's making a ridiculous the, play. Maybe the Brandon Ayuk of the defense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great, that is a great way <laughs> yeah. to put it. Um, you know, and then it's not just, though, Bosa. You've got Eric Armstead. You've got yep. Javon Kinlaw. Uh, you've got lots of options on the uh, front four who can rush the passer as well. So, they bring a lot to the table. And then, of course, Hafunga um, in the secondary has been a revelation for them this season. You've got uh, Ward in the secondary as well. So they've got some playmakers, but that's really the weak spot on the defense. But all that just goes to sit, go, goes back to Brock Purdy being put in a perfect mm-hmm. position. And Kyle Shanahan, it's interesting because, and we're going to continue to talk about the Bears here as well, but... You know, I think we've all fallen in love with Justin. And most people have fallen in love with Justin Fields because of what he has done athletically this year. But when you look at it, it's like you're trying to build around that quarterback. But Kyle Shanahan, everyone's, everyone's pointing to the Eagles as the blueprint the Bears need to yeah. follow. But you look on the other side of the ball today for the 49ers and you're like, you know what? He's done it with three different quarterbacks. Yeah. And he's showing you that it, there's another way to go about it. Now... Most teams probably aren't adept enough to identify enough skilled players like McCaffrey, Kiddo, Kill, Debo, and Ayuk that can put their quarterbacks in these positions where they're so successful. But, you know, Kyle Shanahan is showing you the other blueprint. Like, you know what? It can be done another way. Yeah. Just go out and find all those guys. Just go out and find the best tight end, a great wide receiver, and Christian McCaffrey. How hard is that? Yeah. Just go do it this offseason, Poles. Just... <laughs> Just find three or four of the best Superstars. skilled players yeah. at their position. And, <laughs> and again, then we're right there. Yeah, yeah no problem. That's all the Bears just need four or five. Well, they may be a great offensive line, too. They oh, can, yeah. They can By take, the way. They can take McGlinchey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, He's yeah. available. Trent, Trent Williams. They, yeah, made him a, they, made, they made him a priority, and they have the best left tackle in football yep. as well. So, no, it's, uh, it's, but it's interesting because we do. We, you fall in love with the quarterbacks, and you're like, you need that franchise quarterback. Yeah. But Kyle Shanahan is showing you. Now, here's the problem. When push comes to shove and you need to get across the finish line, can Kyle Shanahan do it? He was very close with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yep. Like Honestly, he was a dropped. It was a Emmanuel Sanders pass away from probably beating the Chiefs in, in Mahomes' first year as yep. a starter. But they weren't able to seal the deal that year. Matt Ryan you know, spits it up. Uh, in the, you know, now, that, that's somewhat on Kyle, too, because Kyle 
got yeah. away from running the ball. Yep. So he's got his own, you know, foibles that you can look at and say, boy, you were so close, but can you finish it off? And he has been unable to do it. But I will say, when I look at the four teams remaining, as, as all the talent that's there, they're the one team I'm most skeptical about because of Brock Purdy. I don't know. How, how do you feel? Are you convinced yeah. with Purdy at this point? It's hard not to be. You know, it's like you, you don't get to this point of the year in this game by accident. Like, mm-hmm. So he, he's been good and, and he's done what they need to do. And, and it, there is something to be said by about not trying to do too much. Like he has a job. He executes the game plan that Kyle gives him. And Kyle, like he's my friend, like Kyle <laughs> gives him. Yeah, we all know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and it's and it looks, you know, he's a very efficient quarterback. And it's that that's going to work when you have all the other pieces. And it's if you look at it where it's like, what is he the weak link? I'm not so sure that he is like he hasn't turned the ball over the 49ers. I think are are undefeated when the turnover battle is even or they're ahead, mm-hmm. and so if he takes care of the ball, it's hard to say like, well, then how how are you going to beat them? No, that's fair. Will he though? That's the question. Will yeah. the, will the Eagles be able to take advantage of some of the opportunities that other teams have not so far this year? That's the question today. Let's try Greg, who's in Round Lake Beach. Hey, Greg, you're on ESPN 1000 with Meller and Barstool Chief. What's up? Hey guys, I was wondering if the Chiefs are in danger of becoming the Dodgers of the NFL in that they both always seem to be there in the playoffs but somehow manage not to finish the deal. So it's, you know, I don't look at it exactly the same. Um, the way when I look at football versus baseball, baseball's a little different. You've got a full, you know, mm-hmm. you've got a full series. You know, you can make, uh, you can have a misstep in a game and still bounce back, but also, the reality is that when you get to those, you know, those shorter playoff series, baseball, you know, I think they're, they're kind of playing different sports for, for baseball when you talk about a 162-game season, the way a team is yeah. built, versus then they get to the playoffs. And most, yeah, a short series... A different sport. In a it way. really is, yeah. because all of a sudden, you see teams ch- using their pitching dramatically differently. Mm-hmm. Starters go three innings, right? And yeah. all of a sudden, then they're piggybacking a different starter out of the pen. So I think baseball, football, oftentimes you feel most of the time, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I usually feel like the best team ends up winning the football game more times than yeah, not. Yeah, and, and I think like the difference is they've never lost because Mahomes choked. You know, where, where that was the thing with yeah. Kershaw for a while. Like, he's your best player. He's the Cy Young guy just about every year. And then for whatever reason, he would get in the playoffs and then get shelled. And, uh, and and that's never been the case with Mahomes. And Mahomes won his first Super Bowl. So I know he lost the one to Brady. And I think, what is this, their fourth or fifth straight? So their fifth straight. Yeah, AFC uh, Championship. Correct. It's hard It's hard for me to get on board with that line of thinking since he does have a ring and they're, they're awesome. Last year's AFC Championship game against the Bengals, was the first time I really remember Patrick Mahomes and just and and again it wasn't on Mahomes, you know. In the second half, they got they they definitely got out schemed by the Bengals yeah. defense and um, Luana Romo, who they're, who's their defensive coordinator, coordinator. He he really seemed to give Mahomes fits in the second half, and you know it was the first time because the the the, the loss to the Bucks in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl and Brady. Their offensive line was was a sieve that that yeah. day. They had nothing left. Everybody had all their their key offensive linemen had been injured in the previous AFC Championship game, and they really had nothing left. Mahomes was under siege all day. Yep. He really, you know, and and they immediately what did they do when Ryan Poles was there working alongside Brett Veach? 
they helped their their big task that offseason was we need to fix the offensive line so that Patrick Mahomes never has to deal with that in a Super right. Bowl ever again. And they did, yep. right? And so we're back here and I don't know. It'll be in, if this is why today's game, Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes, there is a lot on the ride in terms of perception for these quarterbacks. Because as good as Mahomes is, if Burrow moves to four and oh, yeah. It's funny how Andy Reid has like exited this conversation too, because he was the guy who was he went to the, I think maybe four or five straight NFC championships five with, five with, with the with, with the Eagles yeah never got a Super Bowl and then you know, so like this buffoon the clock management <laughs> yes, sure. the walrus and like people would make fun of him he gets Mahomes they win one and now it's just like well if they don't win it's like it's not Andy Reid's fault because I I genuinely do think that Reid is a Hall of Famer one of the best coaches of all time. But it's but that was kind of the narrative around him, You're and right. no one mentions that anymore. Uh, that he that it's it might have something. So he got it was like he was giving Mahomes fits. Well, was he giving Mahomes fits or was he giving Andy Reid fits? So something uh, I wonder if that will pop up again if Burrow and the Bengals get the job done today. It's a fair question. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We're talking pigskin here on Championship Sunday on ESPN one thousand. I'm Jeff Meller along with Ryan Brandell, Barstool Chief here on ESPN one thousand. Up next, we will dive inside the Bears draft prospects. Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper did a lot of talking about what they have, what their options are. We will share some of that with you next here on ESPN 1000. Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. You're enjoying your Sunday morning. It is, what do we got here? We've got a 2 o'clock kickoff of Niners and Eagles. So that means we're about under four and a half hours away from the start of Championship Sunday. Hope you're uh, enjoying getting it started with us here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller along with Barstool Chief. We are talking lots of football today. We might sneak in just a little bit of Hawks. They got back to their losing ways because it is uh, Barstool Chiefs' area of expertise. We'll sneak in a little bit of Hawks talk here before we wrap things up at 11 o'clock. But uh, we're talking lots of football today because it's Championship Sunday. I am pumped. It is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. We're also discussing what the Bears' options are here. All right. You know what, Chief? Let me Before we get to the experts here, your thoughts? What do you want to see the Bears do at number with that number one overall pick? I would, I think ideally you move back to four, you pick up an extra asset. I don't know what the market will lay out because the other factor here is that one of these teams that really want a quarterback, maybe they call San Francisco about Trey Lance and they, you know, and they get them at a discounted rate because they, you know, they know the Niners. Whatever. I would love the Bears to move to four, pick up an asset, and still get Jalen Carter. I think Jalen Carter is the guy they need. He fits the scheme better than Will Anderson does on the edge. He's, you know, and I love a big boy like that. Just put him right in the middle. Let mm-hmm. him let him mess everything up for the offense, and and go with Justin Fields. Like in this narrative that it's like, oh, well, I hope it's just smokescreen. That well, maybe they'll take Bryce Young and trade Fields. Like I, I would. That's the type of move that gets you fired if it doesn't work. And and I believe in Justin Fields and and pull if it if Bryce Young is not the guy and that's the route they go. You should fire fire poles like into the sun, and he should never work again. Yeah, so interesting, and and I think we've all kind of now Jalen Carter. I'm if you move down to four, that's mm-hmm. the one situation though where you may have to settle for Will Anderson because 
you know, based on, I think everybody expects at least two quarterbacks to be taken yep. in the top four picks, a possibility of three. And if, if it, you know, if it, if it aligns that way, then certainly you, I could see a, a scenario where Jalen Carter does fall down to four, but a consolation prize of Will Anderson on the, you know, is not terrible, not terrible, but if, if you have to move there yeah. and you get those extra assets, and who knows, maybe he can bulk up to two sixty and play, you know, in a four, three DN hand in the ground, but he's just never really done it or had to do it at Alabama. Mm-hmm. So that would make me a little bit nervous. Uh, so I hope it's Carter, and I guess you know it's that's the debate, right, among those two guys. And and Arizona at three would be the other team looking at one of those two. Yeah. So it just depends on how how they see those guys fitting into their scheme. And I'm you not. Could, you could see a scenario scheme. Yeah, you could see a scenario where the Cardinals grab Jalen Carter if they sit in their spot. But of yeah. course, they could be a prime trading spot for lots of teams as well because Definitely. they have Kylie, Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. They're clearly you know, in bed with him for the long term after signing him to a, an extension this last offseason. So they're not in the market for a quarterback. So they could be another you know, destination in the draft for some teams to go ahead and move up for him. Todd McShay was on the first draft podcast with Mel Kuyper and Field Yates and they discussed some of the possibilities for the Bears and Todd McShay does think that the Texans actually will likely move up to the number one pick with the Bears. I don't think they're going to sit at two. I, I mean, I, I think they're going to do everything they can, and I think the Colts are going to be the driving reason. The Colts are, like, they, they're done with dealing with veteran quarterbacks who come in and just don't fit the bill. Mm. They have a great roster. They do. A, a great roster on both sides of the ball. They have a run game. They have a solid defense. They need to get that quarterback. And so why wouldn't you pick from four to one, move up, whatever it takes. Like next year's two, next year's one, go get that guy. But my point is, I think that number one pick is going to be worth a lot. Mm. And I think the the Bears have to sit there and decide, all right, are we comfortable? Do we have our quarterback? And if not, then, then let's draft one. If not, move back two spots and we'll get Jalen Carter. We'll get Will Anderson. Love to hear it. Love to yeah. hear Todd McShay tell you that the number one pick is going to be in demand. And, you know, that's the thing. Like, will the will Ryan Poles be able to pull off what Ryan Pace was, you know, victim of? When we go back to the Mitch Trubisky <laughs> draft, right? And a lot of people thought that Ryan Pace got duped, right? He got, you know, John Lynch and the 49ers, who are playing in the NFC title game today, duped him into swindled. unnecessarily, swindled him into yeah. unnecessarily moving up you know, that extra spot to secure his guy. Now the Bears are in position to potentially try and do the same thing to the Texans. And interesting that McShay says, hey, the Colts are going to be the driving force. Their division rival, the Texans, are in that two spot. And now the Texans maybe feel the heat of the Colts coming up in the draft. Yeah, and I think he's, I think that point, about the Colts and how complete their roster is aside from the quarterback. They've had five different starting quarterbacks for week one the last five years. And I think it was Chris Ballard, their GM, was like, yes. I will do whatever it takes. <laughs> you know, like, he, Ballard talks like he would give up his child to, to <laughs> get that. Born. Yeah, for that, for that number one pick. Here's the other thing about this that I, I find a little bit interesting, and I know it's quarterback-driven league. I'm not convinced that any of those guys are that great, that they're worth going up for. I think I would probably just sit. And take and is there that big of a difference between Bryce Young and Stroud? I don't I don't like Will Levis either, mm-hmm. the Kentucky quarterback. It's not like this is an Andrew Luck draft. You're so right. So I look at Bryce Young, and you know if Bryce Young 
was two inches taller and 30 pounds heavier, it'd be a no-brainer. And honestly, if that were the case... A lot more. We'd have a, a real discussion here in Chicago about whether Justin Fields was the guy who you need to move. Now, I know that's still a conversation piece out there. I don't think that's really grounded in reality. I don't think. Well, you know what? Uh, we, we we'll get to that later on. There's a, a former NFL Hall of Famer who you know is hearing things about the Bears moving Fields. I don't think it's completely grounded in reality, but it's at least out there. If Bryce Young was taller and bigger, it would make more sense to me. But Young, because he's you know he's all, he was already hurt last year you yeah. know in college. Now you're talking about bringing it up to a higher level in the NFL, where guys are just out there destroying people. And even though the league does their best to protect their prized assets and quarterbacks, the reality is that it is a big man's game. And even though it is you know better than it's ever been to be a smaller quarterback in this league, it I I don't want to you know cast my lot with that guy. Like I'm just concerned that long term you see what happens with Kyler Murray year after year. He's great those first six or seven weeks usually before he's yeah. the pounding has you know started to build up and when it finally though does accumulate he's not the same quarterback at the end of the year. Well, and if he was six three and two hundred twenty pounds, you know who he would be? Justin Fields. Yeah. So it's like, what are we talking about? Yeah. You know. So it's like, man, if you were only a little bit bigger and strong, because I think Justin Fields is going to be a, a better passer than he gets credit for. He just needs weapons. He was a good. He was a good passer at Ohio State when he had you know Garrett Wilson and Olave and all those guys. Like, sure. They, they move the ball all, all over the place. Granted, it's college a little bit different when you're playing Northwestern versus playing. Uh, you well, know, Northwestern's the one team that actually gave him fits. In uh, that, well, uh, he, Big he Ten. was hurt in that game. That's though, true. Too. That's true. So, but yeah, so bad example, I guess. I should have ripped on Minnesota. Or something but uh but yeah but that is i i do like there's it feels like people get enamored with whatever is what's next i didn't really love bryce young at alabama and this is a meatball thing to say he didn't win a national championship there and every other quarterback that <laughs> it's Nick saban has had has so if he's the best one and he couldn't beat hendon hooker in tennessee and it's like well then what are you really signing up for a 511 170 pound quarterback who's who's accurate smart good all that I, I'm not convinced that he's a number one pick. He's not Cam Newton. He's not Andrew Luck. It's not like that one of those can't miss type guys. So uh, I hope Chris Ballard's not listening to this. But, but that is that's kind of how I feel about. I, I'm shocked that there's going to be like this huge momentum to go get that quarterback. No, it's a fair question, and um, it is funny because you mentioned five eleven and one seventy. I think those are the numbers that have floated around, you know, in social media circles that seem much more realistic. We'll see what. Bryce yeah. Young comes into the combine, combine and, and weighs in at that's it's we have a lot of milkshakes absolutely like yeah. and, and you that's the one thing that's crazy though he's you know he's doing it you know right now he's doing everything he can he's just being gluttonous he's eating so yeah. much like nonstop just to put on and pack on those extra pounds but in all reality whatever he tips the scale at at the combine you know he's probably not going to be that weight when he gets into your training camp he's putting on you know those ten to fifteen pounds of water weight and bad fat weight that you don't really want as a quarterback guarantee he doesn't throw at the combine either because no doubt about it he'll be putting on weight lifting weights he won't have his normal body yes so he's like i'm not throwing to these guys and and then go down and then he'll go to his pro day yeah and he'll put on a display but he probably won't weigh in at his pro day because you know it's not going to be i I guess i would be surprised six foot 194 yeah that's what he's listed at no way but everyone i think uh who runs in those circles will tell you He's not six foot, and he's probably closer to 180. Uh, 312-332-3776 if you want to talk some football with us. It is Championship Sunday. We are discussing the Bears' options at number one as well. 
And of course, you're very familiar with Todd McShay, but of but we'd be remiss if we didn't let you hear from the godfather of the NFL draft. Mel Kuyper Jr. joined Waddle and Sylvie. He discussed some of the Bears' options. And is it really possible, Rye, could the Bears trade not once, but twice? Could they move down twice and accumulate a treasure trove of draft picks? We'll let you hear what Mel thinks next on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. celebrate dave oh yeah all right loved it a little dmb here I feel like every that's like a rite of passage seeing him at alpine it, yeah. <laughs> you're so right yeah uh, i'm probably uh, 10 plus years older than you ryan and uh yes i think yeah. it, it has been and it probably will be for another 10 plus years i hope so 10 years from now you'll be sitting in my seat someone <laughs> younger like jake will be sitting in your seat and and you'll be saying hey did you ever see uh, yeah. dave well, i actually like this seat because then i don't have to do any of the computer there stuff you that go. you're doing over there it's so. it's uh it's a, it looks a little more intimidating than yeah. it actually is 312-332-3776 i'm jeff meller alongside barstool chief we are talking football today because it's championship sunday and of course we are my favorite sunday on the nfl calendar i do love this day more than the super bowl because we've got two games two's and, always better than one. Absolutely. That's uh, that's just simple math. Yeah. We all know that. Um, all right. So we've talked a little bit about Todd McShay's premise that he believes the Texans will go up eventually to get the Bears number one overall pick. He thinks the Bears will trade back with the Texans. And no offense to all our listeners out there. I love you very much. But when Todd McShay throws that at me, I mm-hmm. give it a little bit more validity than than when uh, we love you, Eddie, on the north side. But when Eddie says, hey, yeah. the uh, Bears are going to trade back with the Texans or or anybody out there, if you're throwing it. So when Todd McShay says it, it's interesting. Mel Kuyper Jr. was on with Waddle and Sylvie earlier this week. And Sylvie, you know, before we had the McShay audio, threw the idea at Mel, hey, Everybody's throwing out these scenarios. Could the Bears, you, you, everywhere you look on Twitter, on Instagram, you see someone with their pro football focus mock draft mm-hmm. trade that they've put together, and they have the Bears trading back not once, but twice, or maybe even three times. Sylvie asked Mel Kuyper, hey, is it a fantasy to think the Bears could actually trade back with the Texans and then back to the Colts as well? Is it a fantasy, Mel? No, it's not because of the of how desperate teams are, and they see what happened with Indy with these older quarter not older, but you know quarterbacks that were struggling somewhere else, and they picked them up or at the end of their careers or whatever, like Indy did with Rivers and and Ryan and Wentz, and didn't work out, and they feel like they're desperate. Certainly, Houston has to get a quarterback. Casario's in his which was his third head coach now. He better get this quarterback right. So they they got to identify the quarterback they want. And what you have to hope for the Bears is that, that the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts all have one guy that they love above and beyond. And it may not be the guy that the other team goes for. Say say uh, Houston size, it's, it's Bryce Young. Well, maybe Indy loves Will Levis or C.J. Stroud. And they say, we, we can't wait and we can't allow Vegas or Carolina or somebody else to jump to three with Arizona and get that quarterback. So we got to go up and get that guy, okay? Because that's why Houston would have to go to one, because somebody else will go to one if Houston doesn't. So Houston would get their second quarterback.
quarterback, not their number one guy. So it really depends upon, you know, it was basically when Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger came out, I said all three should be real. I don't think, do you really care which one you got? If it's one of those years, then you're in trouble. It was one of those years where they're happy with any of the three. I think I remember uh, one of the, uh, the GMs were saying the year with Herbert and Tua and Burrow. You'd be happy with any one of those three. You just hope it's not that kind of year because if, it's that, if Indianapolis and Houston feel that way, they're not going to move up. Mel Kuyper Jr., the original mm-hmm. draft analyst there for you with Waddle and Sylvie earlier this week saying, hey, look, it's not crazy talk to think the Bears could actually trade back multiple times and accumulate some more draft assets going forward. Just do it. Just trade back as many times as you can. So Keep doing it. One to two, two to four, four to seven. Okay. <laughs> seven, seven to nine. Seven to nine. And just wait. Just get as much as you can because the Bears probably need, and this is not even hyperbole, they probably need 25, 30 new guys. You're so right about yeah. that. So they have all the cap space in the world. They got $119 million or something like that in cap space. So they'll be able to do some damage in free agency, which happens before the draft, so they'll kind of know. But they need a lot of players. And they need players at every level of the offense, every level of the defense. So, yeah, if you can – I really – like I'm saying that somewhat jokingly because I think it's better to have like one stud sometimes, and I think Jalen Carter is that guy. So I think the furthest I would want to go back would be four. Mm-hmm. Um so you can get him, but it, it is, it's not like inconceivable. And the other team that I, I feel like the bears might want to talk to is Seattle. Like I know, I know that uh, they had a great year with a quarterback up there, but they have two first round picks. They do. They're sitting at five and it feels like that's a team that no one's really talking about in this quarterback derby. And I think that they should be in there. The, Seattle. Yeah. They, now they, you know, Gino Smith, had a, a great season and it's weird because what he was able to do it when you really look back at what happened with geno smith you know he fell out of favor he had the run-in um in new york where he got you know punched in the he ran face into somebody's fist yes yes yeah. uh, ik yeah. um his name who i can't remember specifically because everyone used to call him ik because yeah. it was very difficult to pronounce the linebacker on the jets but um he, he, you know in that kind of you know his his career went sideways, but the truth was that there were moments in Geno Smith's career, especially his rookie season, where the Jets thought they had their answer, right? Yep. And you know, like the 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 it was really weird. He had a lot of confidence for a guy, but the Jets were you know just a weird situation as a team, and he kind of got you know it had run its course. Um, they decided to move on from him, and. He never really got another real shot, and but he never really got a fair shot either. Right, and this is the first he kind of like you know bided his time for was, ten years, but he never really got another real no, I shot. I agree with you. Yeah. It, it's weird how the NFL will you know eat its young when it comes to quarterbacks. Like yep. you know, it's that you're on to the next. You you mentioned it earlier. On to the next one. Can't yep. wait to move on. Some. Bears fans are like, all right, Justin Fields is a great runner, but he can't throw the football. Let's get on to the next one. Like great, you're, yeah. you're it's. The NFL, Geno Smith is that cautionary tale where don't be so quick necessarily to say don't the, be that the guy Jets. can't play. Don't, yeah, don't, don't be the Jets. That's a great Jets. philosophy. Step one, don't be the Jets. But he is 32. Yes. He is a free agent. Even if you bring him back, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to, to want to take a quarterback. So if you have a second first-round pick, and that was like I was trying to tell myself that maybe the Lions would give up on Goff because they have two first-round picks. And, but obviously they're going to they're gonna roll with Goff. But the Rams, or not the Rams, the mm-hmm. Seahawks, even if you bring him back, you're not going to sign him for more than two or three years probably. 
probably not more than two. So you might as well start the you, you take the Will yeah. Levis and have a project type guy, and and let Geno kind of keep you relevant for a few years. But they they're going to need a quarterback sooner rather than later, and and maybe they don't even resign him, and then that changes the narrative immediately because then they definitely need a quarterback. All great points. That's Ryan Brindell. I'm Jeff Meller. We're on till 11 o'clock today talking football with you. 312-332-3776. My question that we will explore here in a moment. Is the NFL doing Championship Sunday right? We'll discuss that in two short minutes.